That's congregation's dead. 446. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the world is tossing me like a ship upon the sea. Thou who rulest wind and water, stand by me. In the midst of tribulation, stand by me. In the midst of tribulation, stand by me. When the host of hell is saying, and my strength begins to fail, Thou who never lost a battle, stand by me. In the midst of faults and failures, stand by me. In the midst of faults and failures, stand by me. When I do the best I can and my friends misunderstand, Thou who knowest all about me, stand by me. In the midst of persecution, stand by me. In the midst of persecution, stand by me. When my foes in battle array undertake this not my way, Thou who saved Paul and Silas, stand by me. When I'm growing old and feeble, stand by me. When I'm growing old and feeble, stand by me. When my life becomes a burden and I'm nearing chilly Jordan, oh, thou lily of the valley, stand by me. Again, it's good to be with you today. I missed being with y'all last Sunday. I heard that Brother David was blessed, did a good job. Uh, just have a few thoughts this morning. I was thinking about this uh, last night before I laid down. Um, book of Isaiah, the prophet says in the chapter 62, verse 6, <clears throat> I have set a watchman upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace. I have set, and I read that wrong, I didn't, it wasn't a watchman. I have set watchmen. That means more than one, plural, watchmen. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem. This is Jerusalem where we're at right now. This is the Jerusalem in the Old Testament, I believe, was metaphorical for the church, the promised land. That was the center of the promised land. And that's where we are today. New Jerusalem. We're in, that's right, brother, New Jerusalem. 
I've sent watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Yea, they make mention of the Lord. Yea, they that make mention of the Lord keep not silence. The, uh, Ezekiel taught us a little more about the watchman and the duty of the watchman. Uh, Ezekiel chapter uh, 3, verse 16. Beginning, the prophet there says, And it came to pass at the end of the seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman. So Ezekiel was one of the watchmen uh, that was upon the walls there in Jerusalem. The Lord said, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word of my, at my mouth and give them warning for me. Uh, typically that is, was the duty of the prophet. The prophet went... Uh, to the people on behalf of God. It was kind of the opposite of what the priest did. The priest went to God on behalf of the people. Uh, the, the prophet, or at least the watchman here in this case, uh, went to the people on behalf of God. It says, uh, give them warning for me. When I say unto the wicked that thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but, and here is the, here's the, the sort of the grave consequence or the reality of being a watchman. Here's the reality of being a watchman, brother. If you don't warn the people, they'll die in their iniquity. Now, that does mean, I, once upon a time in my life, I believed that that meant that they would die and they would go to the bad place, as Brother Houston would say. But I don't believe that. Uh, I, I don't believe that uh, this is the death that's being spoken of here. The death that's being spoken of here is a natural death, the first one. Uh, it is uh, a consequence from, uh, this, is the, this is the opposite of time salvation. This is time cursing, okay, is what this is, what he's speaking of here. Of course, that's what, that's what the watchmen are here for, uh, to tell you about how to live day by day by day to serve the Lord, how, how to serve Him and serve Him well. But the consequence for the, the watchman is this, when I say unto the wicked that thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest, nor warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Now, I, don't, I don't necessarily understand what that means. I don't know what it means to have someone else's blood uh, required at my hands. I'm probably just a little too dense to get that. But it is a consequence held against the watchman. If they don't tell the whole counsel of God. Verse 19, Yet if thou warn the wicked and he turn from his wickedness uh, and, and, and turn not from his wickedness nor from his wicked ways, he shall die in his iniquity. He's going to do the same thing. But thou hast delivered thy soul. You've done what you've been asked to do. That's all that we can do is what we're asked to do. The Apostle Paul in the 20th chapter of the book of Acts as he begins to, as he's making his journey back to uh, um, Jerusalem is where he's going. He feels like he has to go back to Jerusalem and, and He's been told several times that it's going to end badly for him, yet he's going anyway. He's going regardless. 
You know why? Because that's what he was asked to do. He felt like that's what he was asked to do. Well, as he's making his way back, he stops uh, and meets with the Ephesian elders uh, as, the, as he's making his journey. He meets with these brothers. At, uh, verse 17 tells us a little bit who it is. Uh, and from uh, Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church there. And so he, they all came together. He wanted to see them one more time. That's just how, you know, it, it, it's good to see the brethren. It's good to fellowship with the brethren. Gets on down this uh, little section of scripture here and it says this. <clears throat> I can find a good place to start here. Verse, uh, this is Acts chapter 20, verse... Oh, uh, there's just not a good place to pick up there. I'm going to start at uh, 22. I'm going to start at 22. And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. I'm going anyway. Save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. That's what's waiting. He knows it. He knows that it ain't, it's not going to be good. Bonds and afflictions. But you know what? The Apostle Paul was a watchman. Set on the wall. Set on the wall of Jerusalem. To warn. And testify. And comfort. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto me. Unto myself. So that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, verse 25, now behold, I know that you among, that you all among whom I have gone preaching, the kingdom of God shall see my face no more, and I'm not coming back. Wherefore, for this reason, I take you to record this day that I am pure of all man's blood. Why? Why is he, why is he pure from all man's blood? For I have not shown to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. Unto you all the counsel of God. Everything that God said, I've preached, Paul says. I, I, don't, I, haven't, I don't think I've preached everything that God has said. Uh, but I've got the book, and I'll do my best. Um, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and unto all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Brothers and sisters, Brother Josh is here this morning uh, to do exactly that. He is also a watchman on the wall. He's been put there, uh, I believe, by the Lord to warn, to instruct, to help us. There's uh, one more verse I want to pick up on. And it's about preaching too. It's about the reason for preaching. The book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul again speaks a little bit about this idea of, of what the ministry is there for. It's one of the gifts he mentions that were given uh, after the Lord went on high. The ministry is one of those gifts. Verse 11, the last part of it says, and, past, and some pastors and teachers, pastors and teachers, uh, those are the watchmen, the watchmen on the wall. What are they there for? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till... And we're going to do it. We're going to keep doing it till, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's our measuring stick. That's our goal. That's what we all shoot for. 
Um, whatever it is that the Lord, and I hope I haven't distracted you any this morning, Brother Josh, but whatever it is that the Lord has laid on your heart, I pray that you'll just preach it with boldness and be sure that you stand on the rock, brother. You stand on the rock. Uh, would you bow with me and I'll try to lead us in a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, again, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this Lord's day that you've given us that we might come together and sing praises to your holy name. Lord, we thank you for all those that were able to come and meet with us this morning, Lord. We pray for the many others that aren't here today, Lord, that you might just restore them to us. Lord, we ask that uh, you would be with each and every one that we've mentioned this morning, all of those, especially the ones that have lost loved ones lately, Lord, through, the, through some senseless tragedies, Lord, that, that have gone on recently. Of course, we know those are taking place all over the world, Lord. Senseless tragedies. Those are, those are commonplace here in this old place of love. Lord, but we ask that you'd go with us and have mercy upon us and be with us, Lord, and grant us the things we need. Lord, we ask now for Brother Josh that you'd just be with him, Lord, that you'd just lift him up above the cares of this world, Lord, that you'd just allow him to preach Jesus, that we might see Jesus high and lifted up, Lord, that we, the, the train might fill the, this place, Lord, that we just might know that he is seated on his throne, Lord. Lord, please go with us. Have mercy upon us and forgive us where we fail. Of course, in Christ's name we pray these things and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. It is good to be back with you. I do count it a great honor and a blessing to be invited back to be with you here at Macedonia. Uh, do very much appreciate the words that have gone before. Hurry up. Uh, you know, brother, I like what you said there. You know, I hope I didn't mess up anything. You know, it's always a great blessing to me whenever uh, I get into the stand um, and, and the speaker, whoever it may be, goes before. And it touches on some things that's already on my mind. It's kind of a, a good confirmation. And uh, when when those things happen, it's uh, I, I rejoice. <laughs> I rejoice because I know then. You know, sometimes I forget, but I know then that the the Lord's in the matter, and uh, it brings a great sense of peace over me uh, because you know many times I question, Lord, is this is this what you would have me speak out of? This is what the, this this flock needs this morning. Uh, you know, that's that's. I try to keep that in the forefront of my my prayers uh, as I pray during the week for the congregation that I'll be in front of. Because sometimes I don't I don't know exactly who I'll be in front of, um, but I pray first that the Lord will be blessed and that His name would be honored, uh, that we would glorify Him. And I trust and I truly believe that if we're honoring and praising and glorifying God, guess what? It's good for us, Amen. and we can uh, we can feed from that and we can uh, lean on those things. And so I, I hope that's uh, what we're here for this morning. I trust that's what we're here for this morning. So I would ask that you would be in prayer for me uh, as I stand before you. I would like to look uh, at a story this morning. You know, as I, my study for the past week or two uh, has been kind of around different events in the life, if you will, uh, of the man Jesus Christ during his three and a half year ministry that he had here on the earth. 
And I'd like to begin this morning at Luke chapter 8, and I'd like to catch a couple of verses here because I'd like to, I'd like for us, each of us this morning to, to build this scene, if you will, in our mind. I'd like for us to put ourselves there, and that's why I want these girls to hurry up because I want them to do this this morning too also. Uh, Anna has uh, our cousin Izzy, which is short for Israel, here with us this morning. And, uh, you know, it's amazing when she's got, uh, friends with her, you know, she sings more, she's more active because she's got a friend that's active too. It's a great blessing to, to have, uh, children that are interested in the Lord. Uh, I always find it a great joy when this morning we talked about, uh, things of old Israel and, uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Judah. And we, we got to talk this morning just a little bit. So this morning, again, I'd like to begin in Luke chapter 8. They're taking notes. I, I encourage you to take notes. And again, draw this picture. Draw this scene. Put yourself there. See if you can put yourself there. Luke chapter 8, verse 1 begins like this. And it came to pass afterward that he, Jesus, went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. Talking about his 12 disciples that he has called fishermen, tax collectors, a Gentile. These 12 men are following, okay? They're following. They're not leading the pack. They don't know where they're going. They're following Jesus. Jesus was always the one out front going about to do his father's business. I want to catch verse 2, though. Catch verse 2. It says, And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. And Joanna the wife of Shusa Harrister and Susanna and many others, many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. You know, sometimes we... <laughs> It, it, we, we, we put God in a box, don't we? We kind of uh, don't expand our mind to what's actually going on. But I want to begin here today because I'm going to go to another story. And I want us to just consider. I'm going to read a lot in between the lines today. I, I hope that I'm not trying to preach out of school because that's not my goal or intent. But I want us this morning to maybe consider, if you will, Things that transpired that are not quote-unquote written, but I believe that they're written in our hearts, and I believe that they can be applied. So, again, pray for me, and bear with me. His 12 disciples, different women that have been healed, that he has healed, and very specifically, Mary Magdalene. Now, Mary Magdalene, we know that the Lord himself cast seven devils out of her. And from that point, she walked with the Lord all of her, well, all of the Lord's days. From that point, when the Lord told those seven devils, by the way, that account's not actually in Scripture. I've looked for it. I can't find it. Now, it tells us about it. Right. But the actual, uh, the actual event... What's it scribed down? I find that so interesting. 
Uh, but Mary Magdalene, if you do a short study on her, you'll find out that this woman was a very, to me, great disciple. I believe that she listened more than the men. Amen. And you women here can amen that. That'd be great. Okay. But I truly do. I believe that she listened more than the men disciples. I think the, the, the men, the 12 uh, men disciples, I think they were a lot more thick-headed than them, them women. Them women were over probably doing more and, and active and, and were listening. Because you remember Mary Magdalene, you know, she was, she was one of the last ones at the cross along with Mary, uh, Jesus' mother. There was another Mary there. And then John, we know John was there, you remember, because uh, one of the last things that Jesus did was he assigned, if you will, his mother uh, to John, uh, fulfilling the law, even on the cross. But Mary Magdalene was there. Mary Magdalene was also there when Jesus had given up the ghost, and they took his body down, and she went with them as they laid Lay Jesus' body in the tomb. That's recorded. Mary Magdalene was also the first one at the tomb. She listened. She knew that Jesus has said, I'm only going to be in the earth three days and three nights. And you remember, she came that morning when it was still dark, she came that resurrection morning. Well, she saw, remember the angel? Remember the angel came down? She talked to the angel. She was the one that went back and told the disciples. You remember, they didn't believe her. There was 12 men, they didn't believe her. But she came back and she told those disciples. A woman that's not spoken of a whole lot of scripture here, I'm going to tell you what, to me, has great influence. There's more women here, by the way, this morning than men. There is. I ponder on things like this. I think about it. I wonder about it. And I don't know the answers. But again, I just ponder on these things. Now, I hope that set up the company, if you will, that's following Jesus. I hope you're there this morning. Now, I'd like to turn backwards to Matthew chapter 15. I'd like to look in an event. I want you to consider another one. <coughs> Jesus here in chapter 15 of Matthew is... <coughs> Well, he tells us, Matthew tells us actually in chapter 14 of verse 34 that they were coming to the land of, and y'all forgive me, Genesaret. And he is in this land and Pharisees have come to him and they have questions about his disciples. They have questions about the people, if you will, that are following Jesus. And that's not my story this morning. My story begins in verse 21. 
Jesus gives answers to them. He actually makes the statement, verse 14, let them alone, leave them alone. Again, not my subject this morning. But he gets down and he finishes up his saying to this people here. And then in verse 21, he leaves. It says, then Jesus went thence, he departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Now to draw this setting, again, we have to think. We have to kind of put ourselves there and think about, see, sometimes we can, when we read the Bible, you can read one or two verses and you might have skipped a month. Sometimes you might have skipped a couple of days. You know, it's just kind of the way the scriptures read. And for us, it's we have to slow ourselves down because we live so fast paced. And, you know, we can drive. I drove, I don't know how many miles to get here this morning, but a few. But it wasn't always that way. Right. You know, used to. <laughs> Could you imagine if I had to walk to church this morning from Mallet? <laughs> I'd have had to leave real early or maybe even last night, depending on how slow or fast I want to try to walk or run. Amen? See, we live so fast-paced, it's good for us to just slow down and try to think about how this actually happened. Okay? So it says that Jesus departed. All right? Now, he's walking. He's, he's departed. He's walking. And he's departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And then it says, Behold, a woman of Canaan, Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him. Now, again, that's that's a lot. I won't tell you. There, there's a lot that's transpired for this for him to go and for her to come, okay? Now, this is the way I see it. And again, y'all just bear with me and pray for me. There's a group of people that's before this, okay? There's a group of people that have listened to to what has transpired in the verses before this. Jesus has taught different people that are there, not only his disciples of men and women that are with him, but that Pharisees have come with them and of others that are just in the general area. And they hear kind of maybe a commotion and they're like, they go and check it out. And then they see this Jesus and they listen to his teachings, which I want to tell you, Read the beginning part of Matthew 15 here that I haven't read. I'm going to tell you, you'll read it a couple of times because it actually applies to 2021. It's amazing. The Bible applies to all times of life. It's going to make you read it a few times. I'm going to tell you because it's the teaching, the specific teaching of Jesus Christ. So these people were intrigued. I'm going to tell you. The ones that were born again, his children, it, it touched them. It meant something to them. Could you imagine just being in the crowd and, and, and looking at the Christ and listening to the words come out of his mouth? I'm telling you. You remember the soldier said, nobody ever spake like this before. Right. You know, I'm going to tell you. It will touch you. It touches us just reading it. So I, the way that I see it is when Jesus departed, he started walking in a direction. Now there, I believe, was a group of people there that followed out of the mere, maybe, common sense that, hey, he's headed towards my home. That's pretty simple, isn't it? If Jesus was here, which I believe he is here, but if Jesus was physically here, which he is, uh, how can I put that? Naturally speaking, if Jesus was walking in this building this morning, and then, you know, he took off to Mallet here about 12 o'clock, 12.15, whenever, 
And I, I had to go home eventually too. And he was walking my way. And I'd already listened to him. I'd already heard him. Well, I would, keep, I would continue to walk with him, right? All of us would, I hope. And that's part of my subject this morning. I hope. I want you to think about that for just a minute. Again, think about who's walking with him. We don't really know specifically with who is. I'm going to tell you, though, his 12 disciples are, and there are certain women. Remember? And Mary Magdalene's there, too. Doesn't name her here, but she's there. All right? And Jesus is walking in a direction, and there are others that are following along also. And the way that I see this happening is, is they probably came to a, a place at some point that this some of this group was like, man, I got to get home. I got to go home. I got to I got to leave the group. I got to get home. And they left. Now Jesus is continuing to walk, and this how many ever it is has broken off from their group to head home to Tyre and Sidon. But they get over there. And I believe, because I hope, I hope our walk, I hope the way that the Lord touches us, causes us to talk about Him. Amen? So they got home and started telling people, probably their closest family and friends, that's usually who we start, but even, maybe even strangers, started telling about what, who they had seen and what they had heard from this man, Jesus. And not only him, but I think they talked about the company that he kept. You remember the Pharisees always said that, but you know, he eats with sinners. It's uh, tax collectors. You know, they didn't like that too much. They didn't like that this quote-unquote Jesus, that called himself God, ate with sinners. They didn't like that. But I'm going to tell you what, the sinners did like it. The sinners did like it. And they probably talked about it. And I'm going to say even the Gentiles, which we're going to get there, they talked about it also. And I can see this group of people telling them about, telling their friends and their family and just people that are around about what Jesus had talked about. Because I'm going to tell you, the lesson that he talked about was about washing hands. That means something to some people. Again, I hope that that pushes you to go back and read, but I think they're talking about it over here in Tyre and Sidon. And I think that they're talking about the people that are walking with Jesus. Yeah, I saw that tax collector. I've heard about walking with Jesus. Yeah, I've heard, you know, he keeps a, a bunch of fishermen around him. Yeah, I saw them. They were there. I heard he keeps, you know, uh, women that used to have devils. Y'all heard of that Mary Magdalene? Yeah, I saw her. She was there too. I saw his company. And there was a woman that heard this. She heard. Whoever the company was, she had to hear because if she hadn't heard, she wouldn't have known that Jesus wasn't too far from her heading in a certain direction. So what happened? This woman, I'm sure, went to whoever was talking about Jesus and said, where's he at? And they pointed her in a direction. 
And she said, where's he headed? Well, I'm not sure, but he's going that way. And what happened? It says, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast. I'm in verse 22. And cried unto him, saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. I'm going to tell you, this woman here has a great hope. She has a, a great expectation out of Jesus. She didn't show up to Jesus and say, Lord, can you? She comes to the Lord crying and say, help me. That's a big difference. That's a big difference, is it not? Can you or just begging help me? She says, help me. And then she says, well, she says, have mercy on me. O Lord, thou son of David. Now, this woman was from the land of Canaan. I think we know a little bit about the land of Canaan this morning, but it does not say that she's an Israelite. It, neither does it say that she's a Canaanite. It doesn't specify if she's a Jew or a Gentile. Now, by what Jesus is going to say to her, it's going to be a pretty good assumption that she's a Gentile. Okay? But it does say that she's from the land of Canaan. And to be from the land of Canaan, I'm going to tell you what, you are influenced somewhat by the Jews' culture and religion. That was the land that God gave to them. Right? And that was the land that they, they were there for quite a while, right? Until they got taken into captivity. But even, even after that, they got to go back. Okay? Now, she says, she, she has heard of this David, I, I'm assuming. Even if she hasn't heard of this David, she has heard that this Jesus was promised to come through the lineage of David. Even though if she doesn't understand that, she still knows the title. This has been talked about. And she has listened because she's got an ear to hear. I like that. Remember, Jesus said that many times. He would say things and he'd say, now you that have an ear to hear, hear. This woman had heard. She had listened and she had kept those things. She had been trusting in that for a while. And I'm sure with her daughter having this possession of a devil in her, I'm sure that many times, she had thought to herself, if this Jesus ever, if I ever hear about this Jesus and he's close to me, I'm going. And why would she think that? Well, I'm going to tell you, because Jesus cast that many devils. Including a, we're not sure, maybe Jew, maybe Gentile, Mary Magdalene. We're not sure. But I'm going to tell you, this woman had heard of it. More importantly, she had heard of Jesus, but I'm going to tell you, she had heard of some things that he had done, and maybe she hadn't seen eyewitness to, but she believed. And now, the time has come. Jesus is close. So she came out, and she cried. 
couldn't imagine. I got two little girls down there I couldn't imagine. I do, I, I found myself in this story for a minute. Because I'm going to tell you folks, we don't deserve mercy from God. God is not obligated to give us mercy. But he does. Praise him for it. I couldn't imagine being in this woman's shoes. I couldn't imagine just hoping that Jesus would come by. And now he has, and I can't imagine running as fast as I can do it. And she gets to him. She gets to him. And she cries to him. And what's so interesting, this this is such a, I, I, be, I mean, I've been stuck on this story because it's so interesting. When she cried and she said, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. He didn't answer. It says that he answered her not a word. How would you react this morning? This morning, you know, we, we feel like we do anything for our children, right? But how would you react if Jesus just didn't answer. You're pouring your heart out to you. You have the greatest desire of your life. And he doesn't answer. How would you react? Because I'm going to tell you this is important. See, our biggest problem is, is again, when we look at God we expect what he is not obligated to give. Right. See, the world expects God or thinks that God owes us something. That's not the case. God doesn't owe us anything. But because he is merciful and because he is abundant in grace, he gives us things that we don't deserve. Amen? Right. This woman right here, she didn't get an answer. The Lord didn't even speak to her. And notice the trouble that comes now. He didn't answer her. And then his disciples came and besought him saying, send her away. For she crieth after us. Well, I got news for the disciples. She wasn't crying after them. She was crying after one man. One God. That was Jesus himself. There wasn't no us in that. But see, how many times, how many times are we like this? How many times, and I'm going to tell you, disciples, the more I study the walk of Jesus and some of the things that came out of the mouth of the disciples, they were arrogant and thick-headed. They really were. 
But how many times do we get like that? How many times do we get a pharisaical attitude? We got the truth, and I ain't really worried about anybody else. How many times do we get like that? Here's a woman pouring her heart out to God, and the disciples say, send her away. Think about that. Notice verse 24. Very interesting. Very interesting statement. And we're going to make it through this story. Because these, the words, I'm going to tell you, every specific single word that Jesus said had a meaning. Every time. This seems really hard. This seems like it doesn't make sense. It seems like it doesn't fit. But I'm going to tell you what, these specific words had a very specific intent from the Lord. He answered and said, after they said, Lord, send her away. She's crying after us. Oh, my goodness. Here comes another. I can just feel the arrogance in them. He answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. <laughs> I can see his disciples saying, yeah, we know. Duh. I mean, I really can. I can see him saying that. That's who they thought they were. We're the ones that Jesus was sent for. He called us. We're walking with him. Remember Peter? Remember Peter made that bold statement? Well, Lord, we have left all. He said, no, no, you haven't. And by the way, neither is any man. He says, no man has left all for me. And no man ever will leave all. But Peter, you remember Peter? He thought, he said, Lord, we've left all. No, you haven't, Peter. But I find it interesting that he feeds into their arrogance for a moment. He's not speaking to the woman. The woman hadn't fully got to him yet. He's next to speak, and she's going to hear, and she's going to answer. Notice the disciples don't answer here. They say, send her away, Lord. She's crying after us. And then he makes a statement that kind of affirms what they're saying. I'm not sent to her, if you will. I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is going to have a, a bigger meaning here in a minute. Then came she, verse 25. Then here's the woman. She gets there. She's in front of Jesus now. And I can only imagine, again, what's going through her mind as she can, she's in front of him now. She can see him face to face. But I'm going to tell you one thing it does drive her to do. No matter what he has said, it drives her right here in verse 25 to fall down and worship him. She came and worshipped him, and again, she begged, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, now this is a, a kind of a, again, I think it's got a, a double meaning, if you will. One, it's an answer that confirms, if you will, what the disciples expect him to say. Because he's already said, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And I'm going to tell you, it's a very hard saying, if you will, for this Gentile woman, what he's fixing to say to her. 
But I'm going to tell you, and I hope this is the truth for us. The disciples could really only take light singings. They could really only take light singings. Everything that Jesus, I believe, talked about that had any meat or substance, when they were walking with him, I'm going to tell you, it went right over their head. Just about every time. Every time. They could only swim in real shallow water. They could only drink the milk of what the Lord was teaching. And many times did he specifically call them out and say, Oh, ye of little faith. Think about that. Now, from my point of view, praise be to God that he called them men. Because <laughs> I line up with them. <laughs> How many times do I look in the scriptures and find how many times they messed up and the Lord had mercy on them? How many times do I find them in a storm crying to God, Lord, save us? And he comes to them and he says, really? You know, you would think after the first storm, you remember when the Lord came and he just said, what did he say? Calm, be still. And it just happened like that. You would think after that, the disciples would have a, at least in that situation, a greater faith concerning those things. But what happened? What is it? Two or three chapters later, they get in another storm. And what happens? They react the exact same way they did the first time. They didn't learn anything. And experience is supposed to be the greatest teacher, right? But how many times do we do? How many times do we suffer and we have to learn the same thing over and over and over and we keep still doing it? The Lord says something really hard here. To us that are kind of sensitive, it, it probably going to hurt our feelings. But it didn't hurt her. She says, help me. But he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. I bet when that rolled off his tongue, I bet the disciples thought. And I'm sure they're just staring at her. They don't say anything, but I can only imagine what they're thinking. I'm sure even they might be thinking, man, that's a little rough, Jesus. What do y'all think? That's two remarks that, again, seem like maybe they shouldn't fit. They shouldn't go there. The Lord shouldn't be that rough or harsh. But what he's doing here is he is making a simple truth. And what's amazing is his disciples don't see it. And this Gentile that's bent down begging and worshiping him understands. She's got some understanding to this verse. He said, it's not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. And she said, truth, Lord. And notice that in your Bibles. Truth is capitalized. Y'all recall that? Y'all know punctuations and capitalization, stuff like that matters in the Bible? That truth right there is, is capitalized. I believe that she is saying, you are the truth. 
Lord. Not only are you speaking truth, but you are the truth. That's just me. I think that's what that's pointing to. You know, Jesus says that. I am the way. I am the life. I am the truth. I think she, she just recognized that and saw that. It called him that. But notice what she says. Yet, the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. He, in a sense, called her a dog. That's what the Jews called Gentiles, dogs. My girls here this morning talked about dogs and how nasty dogs were because they like to eat things that we find extremely nasty, right? That's what the Jews called the Gentiles, dogs. Jesus himself said this. This is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. She understood what he was saying. But that did not slow her down. She was a persistent child. <laughs> Think about it like this. When, you're, when your kids really want something, what do they do? Well, they wear you out, right? They wear you down. My 11-year-old down there has been wanting an iPhone since she was probably five or six. She ain't got one yet. You know why? Because she ain't worn me down enough. But she tries. She's diligent. About every day. Mom and Daddy, when am I going to get a phone? When you're 30. Not really, but you know. But she's persistent. And it doesn't really matter what I say to her, does it? You know why? Because that's what she wants. She greatly desires that. See, if you have a great desire in your life, it doesn't really matter what people say to you, does it? Right. It doesn't. You're still going to press towards that. That's kind of just a bigger picture. This woman knew. She, again, I mean, Jesus, uh, let's just finish it, then we'll back up. Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Great is thy faith. He says, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Think about that. Again, when you've got something that's, that you want, nobody can slow you down. And you'll keep pressing. And that's what happened. She pressed and pressed and pressed. When she went to get the answer she wanted, guess what? It didn't slow her down. But what happened to the disciples? There are two sides of this story. The disciples heard when he said, O oh, woman, great is thy faith. Well, how do you think? What do you think went through their mind when they heard this? When they have been called, oh, ye of little faith. Well, yeah, well, how do you think they responded? See, I think they were put in their place, in their minds, by what they had already been thinking the whole time, and even by the words that Jesus gave, the answers that he gave that they thought were directed at her, which they were also directed at them, 
And then at the end of the story, this quote-unquote dog that they saw, send her away, Lord. She gets titled as old woman, great as thy faith. That's amazing, isn't it? You know what's even more amazing? We talked about our witness. I hope that's, I don't know if I use those terms, but that's what I want to talk about, our witness. And I started with Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene had a great witness for the Lord, what the Lord had done for her and how she was willing to walk with the Lord as long as she possibly could. So much that I believe this woman did hear about that. She was a witness. And what happened, there were other witnesses that were in the midst of, of, of Jesus and his teaching so much that they came back home and she heard their witness. She heard their testimony. That she went out and she found Jesus and begged something that she greatly desired from Jesus. And then what happened? Jesus departed. I'm sure she wanted to go with him. You know, she had a great desire to probably continue on the journey just to hear more from the Master. But she had to go home because you remember her daughter's back home. So it says, Jesus departed thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down. And it says, and great multitudes came. Great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame and blind and dumb and maimed and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to behold, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Y'all think she was talking much when she got home? That's not wrote for us, is it? I'm going to tell you what. She was. She got to look at her daughter from that day to the rest of her life and ponder on what Jesus said to her. And ponder her own faith. Why do I have this? I'm sure she had a lot of questions that went unanswered. She was a great witness, wasn't she? That's not the end of that story either, by the way. I encourage you to read from 32 on. That multitude... They got more blessings than just healing. But I believe the whole story again revolves around witness and what people did and said about the Lord. I think that's what we're called to do. Well, it ain't, I think, it is. <laughs> and that's just not the guy that's saying, that's for all of us. It's what they called minister, pastor, preacher. She was just a sinner that was in need of a Savior. 
And I want to tell you, she was an amazing witness that we still read about today. That's what we're called to be. And I pray for our children's sake, for our country's sake, for our sake, that we step up and do a better job. May the Lord bless you, my friend. There's a uh, characteristic that the scripture speaks of that is taught in that lesson that I, we don't think of very often. We don't think of it much, but it's uh, and oftentimes when we think of it, we don't think of it, I believe, in, even in the right light. The word is importunity. At least that's the King James word for it. Importunity. When the Lord taught lesson on prayer, teaching us how to pray, he gave a, a little parable, a little uh, simile after that lesson, after he said, here's how you pray. You go and you ask for what you need. He gave this parable about this man that said he had uh, he was uh, had somebody come and knock on his door at midnight. So so the story goes something like this, and I won't take too much time. I know the hour is over just about, but I think this is very very relative to what Brother Josh has taught us this morning. So, so the man has a friend to come and visit him, and he his cupboard is bare. Okay? So he goes to his friend's house and says, Hey, would you give lend me three loaves of bread? Because I've got a friend that's come in from a long journey, and I don't have anything to set before him. And the friend says, Hey, go away, basically. He says, Go away. I'm already in bed. I got my kids here with me. Go on. But he will, the Lord said, he will rise and give him what he needs. So it's not because he's his friend, but because of the man's importunity. <laughs> what is his importunity? He wants to get rid of it. Well, the importunity is the man that's asking for bread. That's his characteristic. He's not too ashamed. Even when he's told to go away, he's not too ashamed to keep asking. Brothers and sisters, that's how we need to be. The woman that came, she was told to go away. For most of us, we would have looked at that and said, well, I, I've had all that I'm going to take. I'm leaving. Brothers and sisters, when we know that what we're looking for, that's that pearl of great price. That's what this is. The church is the pearl of great price. But when we know that what we're looking for, when, when he Jesus has what we need. And only he has what we need. We can't be too ashamed to keep pursuing. That, I think that's that lesson. That's what it teaches. Don't be ashamed. Regardless. Regardless of what the world says about you. Regardless of what anybody says. Don't be ashamed to pursue the Lord. That's, I think that's a great lesson, brother.